Hey there. Thanks for joining us at Risen King Church for our weekly podcast. We pray you meet God and know that you are loved today. Be sure to visit us at risenking.life to take all of your next steps and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the message. Happy Easter, everyone. I am going to be reading from John 20 today. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and she saw the stone that had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon and Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved. And she said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and he believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying and she wept. She bent over to look inside the tomb and she saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? And who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus says, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am sending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with this news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them, that he had said these things to her. Now, if you think about the dramatic events of this day, Mary, she's standing at the tomb, and I'm hoping you guys will join me and picture her there. She's overcome with grief, but worse than that, she's disappointed. She's overwhelmed and bewildered. You see, the dramatic events of the past few days, I believe, are passing through her mind. Mary was traumatized as she watched Jesus flogged and beaten with 39 lashes. Mary was present when they drove those nails into her Savior's hands and feet, and she watched all the disciples run away. Mary was present with Jesus' mother and put her arm around her as they stood and watched Jesus die on the cross. 
Mary was there when Jesus had his final breath and he uttered, it is finished. And Mary was with Joseph and Arimathea and the other Mary when they buried Jesus and put him in that tomb. And Sunday morning, Mary's there. And while it's still dark, she goes to the grave and brings spices to anoint his body. But she's heartbroken because she finds that the stone is rolled away and his body is missing. So she runs to the disciples and she says, they've taken my Lord and I don't know where they put him. And then Mary runs back with Peter and John to find the tomb and it's still empty. There's more running in these two verses than the whole book of John. I love it because John tells us all that he got there first. Isn't that what a 90-year-old man would remember? It's obvious something big has happened. But for Mary, Jesus' body is gone. And this only adds to the agony of the last few days. She weeps. It's all she can do. So I ask you this morning, will you use your imagination And will you join me and stand at Jesus' tomb? Scripture tells us how Mary wept. I believe this text this morning is inviting us to weep with Mary. Doesn't Scripture often tell us, weep with those who weep? Think of all the tears that you've cried this year. Tears over all we've lost during covid Tears over the loved ones that we've lost. Tears over health issues and job losses. Tears over racial injustice, murders, and beatings. Tears over what our children have lost. Tears over the funerals, the canceled graduations and celebrations. Tears of frustration because we are overwhelmed and crushed by what has happened. And I ask you, will you bring your tears and come with me and stand with Mary next to that tomb? Mary's lamenting. She's complaining. They have taken my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. Don't rush. Let yourself access all this emotion. And remember, tears need space. Sobbing has a certain rhythm to it. You don't cut off someone when they're grieving this way. You let it run its course. So let's hold the losses and the tears. And in our mind, let's stand outside that tomb with Mary and linger with her as she weeps. And then when the moment is right, Let's stop and bend down with Mary and look inside that tomb. Be prepared for a surprise. It's two angels that she sees there. One where Jesus' head would have been and the other where Jesus' feet would have been. Where had those angels come from? They hadn't been there when Peter and John were in the tomb. It almost feels like they've come like Mary's Tears have drawn them there. Maybe when we're this sad, you can only see angels through your tears.
So Mary sees the angels and they ask her a question. They say, Mary, why are you crying? Now this has to be the oddest question. She's standing in a graveyard in front of a tomb. And Mary responds to the question, I believe, with more tears. And she repeats this lament. They have taken my Lord away. Use your sanctified imagination, brothers and sisters. They've asked her the question, why are you crying? How would you answer that question today? We might say, they've taken away my home. They've taken away my job. They've taken away loved ones. They've taken away my rights, my dignity, my hopes, my health. See, we've all experienced so many losses this year. And the cross leads us and tells us that it will help us deal with our losses. But I believe the resurrection has just as much powerfully to say about loss. You see, the angels know spiritual realities that you and I do not know. The angels live on a different plane than we do. The angels see and understand that things that you and I only get a glimpse at, and that's why they come to Mary and they ask this question, why are you crying? You see, angels always ask questions when we do not understand the spiritual reality. So I believe that Mary and us, the angels are asking this question to this morning, why are you crying? So I think Mary responds again to this with sniffling and tears, but then something powerful happens. She senses someone near, and she turns around. Remember, as far as Mary knows, Jesus' lips are dead and silent. As far as Mary knows, his corpse has been stolen by grave robbers. But in spite of it, she's there. She's in the last place she knew her Lord was. He is her Lord, and she's going to linger there as long as she can. You see, I think it's her devotion that moves Jesus. It moves Jesus to draw close to her, and she's so close she can almost hear him breathing. She turns around, and there stands Jesus, but she mistakes him for the gardener. The risen Lord Jesus Christ comes very close to us when we grieve. This Easter Sunday, he is close to us as our own breath. He's willing to take our griefs and our sorrows, but in exchange, he's asking us this question, why are you crying? This is what N.T. Wright says. He says, Mary's intuitive guess that he must be the gardener was wrong at one level, but deeply right at another. This is the new creation. Jesus is the beginning of it. Remember, Pilate says, here's the man. Well, here's Jesus. He is the new Adam, the gardener, charged with bringing the chaos of God's creation into a new order, flower into fruitfulness. He has come to uproot the thorns and thistles and replace them with blossoms and harvest as we stand there and listen, listening, overhearing Mary's conversation. Let the pain of the people you are with speak itself into Jesus, whether or not they know who he is. 
I love this quote, and I love this picture, that this morning we can speak the pain that we know and the pain of our people into Jesus. You see, the resurrected Jesus, he calls our name. Jesus could have revealed himself to Mary at any point in the story. He could have called down an angelic host to sing his name. Instead, though, he tenderly asked Mary the same question the angels asked her. Why are you crying? And then he follows it up with an even more, inquest, even more important question. Who are you looking for? You see, Mary is unaware of who Jesus is until Jesus reveals himself. I think our hearts and our minds, we can't completely grasp who Jesus is and his resurrection until Jesus reveals it. Everything in our world tries to make Jesus small. Our upbringing, our culture, our education, always telling us Jesus can't be as big as who he is in his resurrected state. But Jesus comes gently to Mary, and he comes purposefully, and he comes to blow up those misconceptions because he wants Mary to know he is great. He is resurrected. And so sometimes Jesus waits till our despair at how little it seems like he is, and then he intervenes and he reveals his mighty resurrected power. You see, when Jesus speaks Mary's name, everything shifts. She recognizes his voice, and it all changes. It's the voice that delivered her of seven demons. It's the voice that spoke love to her and healed her. It is the voice of her beloved Jesus. And when he speaks, resurrection power goes into Mary. You know, we think we know the resurrected Jesus. We've heard the stories since we were young. We know the stories of Thomas and how Jesus appeared to 500. We know the story, how he went with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. I love it how at, when we hear the preaching on the cross, it says, Jesus would have died for only you. Jesus came on the cross for you. But I tell you today... Look at the empty tomb. Jesus was raised for you. His resurrection is personal and it is powerful. 20 years ago, this past March, Mike and I took a trip, a ministry trip to Norway. And we were leading prayer ministry in a couple sites. And I had been going through a really difficult time. I love the Lord Jesus Christ but I was feeling desolate and discouraged in the ministry. And it was easy to think I want to follow Jesus always, but it wasn't so easy to think I wanted to stay in the ministry. And as I was preparing for that trip, I kept hearing this verse from Psalm 18:19. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And the funny thing is that people kept coming to me, and they kept bringing me that, this verse. They kept saying, God told me to tell you, he rescues you because he delights in you. And then the second thing I heard as I was praying for uh, Norway and the ministry we would be doing, I kept hearing women crying. 
And I was like, Lord, I don't know what that means, but all I hear when I intercede is women crying. So on that trip, it was amazing. Everywhere I went, God had me minister to hurting women. I led a prayer time where 25 women just in tears surrendered themselves to the Lord. I met with this woman and she asked me to meet with her. But before I met, God showed me what was wrong with her. And as we prayed, it broke and healing came to her. Another time, Mike was leading a meeting and I prayed out this picture and it was actually from Mary and Martha at Lazarus' tomb. And when I prayed that, this woman began to wail and cry. And after the service, she came and told me that her heart had been like ice, encased in ice. She had gone through so much pain. And she said, as the word was spoken, her heart melted. And she said, it's my cries you heard when you were praying. Even more beautiful than how God used me was how I saw he wanted to minister to these women. I want you to know, every time we weep, our Savior draws near. He comes near with his resurrected power. And he also came near for me. I told you I'd been discouraged. I'd been just so overwhelmed in the ministry. And one night in Sheehan, Norway, I heard God speak my name. Sheehan is this great place, and they experienced revival 100 years ago, right after Azusa Street revivals here in the United States. And I loved hearing the story they told me about Sheehan. When this great crowd of people came to Christ, they went to the fjord, broke the ice, and they were baptized. And it was in that church that night the Lord called my name. And he called me Hepzibah. I was like, Lord, that's not a pretty name. <laughs> and it's the name in the scarlet letter <laughs> in that novel. And so, but I knew enough Bible to go look that name up. And here's what I found in Isaiah 62. No longer will they call you deserted or you're in a land desolate but you will be called Hepzibah, which means my delight is in her. He kept telling me he delighted in me. He delights in me. He rescues me, and he gave me that name, that he delights in me. My life has been forever changed because God spoke my name. I believe this morning God is here to speak to you a name, a name that will shift you from grief and shift you into resurrection power. The risen Lord Jesus, he seeks us out personally, and he seeks us out by name. I love the personal and intimate way this story comes about. And I want you to think about this. Jesus didn't appear when his two favorite disciples were there. He waited till they left. He mysteriously asks Mary these questions, and he does it to draw her, to let her discover who he is. And then the way that Jesus says her name, it's like poetry. It's beautiful, it's profound, it's life-changing. See, when Mary hears her name on Jesus' lips, her grief is shattered, and her shattered heart is healed. John tells us Mary 
turns towards Jesus, and she cries out in Aramaic, Rabone, which means teacher. David Benner explains what happens this way. He said, first she turned towards Jesus, and then she recognized him. It was the recognition that brought her back to life. But first she had to turn towards him. And when she recognized him, her eyes were suddenly opened. Not just her physical eyes of recognition, but the spiritual eyes of awareness. Suddenly she remembered how deeply loved she was. Suddenly she knew she would not be alone. Never again could they take her Lord from her. Never again could she be alone, for she had been reunited with the lover of her soul. The resurrected Jesus, he meets with us personally. I want you to just feel that intimate meeting that he wants to have with you and with I today. It's our job to turn towards Jesus, but it's the Holy Spirit's job to then resurrect us and to take those things that are weighing us down and to infuse us with the power of Jesus. Jesus' resurrection is personal, it's powerful, and it is so redemptive. Before Mary can even understand what's going on, she falls at his feet. She grabs him. She clings to him. I believe she's saying through her actions, I'm never going to let you go again. And Jesus' response is, don't hold on to me, for I am not yet ascended to the Father. You see, I think Jesus is showing her our relationship is about to change. It was one way before the cross, but it's another way after the resurrection. And I want you to think through what happened during the resurrection. Jesus just had ripped open the gates of hell. Jesus had just confronted Satan, and he made a public spectacle of him. Jesus has just torn the veil in two, and he has made the whole sacrificial system null and void. 10,000 angels stand ready at his command. And what does he do as his first act? He goes to Mary. To whom did he reveal himself? To Mary, the weeping, heartbroken woman, as she stands before the tomb. Of all the disciples that Jesus could have gone to in his first resurrected appearance, he chooses Mary Magdalene. Why? Why her? As far as we know, she never became a missionary. There's no epistle written in her name. No New Testament story describes her work. So why did Jesus create this moment for Mary Magdalene? This is what I think. Mary lingered with Jesus. She followed him her whole life once she knew him. She lingered at Jesus at the cross when many ran away. She lingered at his tomb, and now the resurrected Lord Jesus, he lingers with her. And he reveals himself to her, and he makes sure that all four gospel accounts record what happened. Luke tells us Mary was delivered of seven demons. Mary 
She supported Jesus' ministry financially. And now this Mary, she is Jesus' first witness. He commissions her. He sends her to his other disciples with this message. I am ascending to my father, to your father, to my God and your God. Mary is the first commissioned disciple with a message. Today I stand with Mary, the first witness, and I witness to you, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is risen. He speaks our name. He calls us powerfully and personally. I think many times you and I have mistaken him, like Mary did, for the gardener. For, you know, this was just an accident. But no, brothers and sisters, he is calling you. He's been calling us. And today, just think how personal he wanted to meet with Mary and realize just as personally and powerfully he wants to meet with you. Now, Mike and I are tag-teaming him uh, in preaching today, so I'll tag him. When we were preparing for, for this Easter message, we began to realize that this story of Mary, she's the first person commissioned to preach the gospel. And so as Lisa and I were looking at that, we thought, Lisa, you should preach Mary today. And as we look at this story, and especially as you hear Lisa's heart about the personal way that the risen Savior met with Mary and the powerful way that he met with her, you begin to realize something that, that she's unlike anybody else in this story. She's been faithful. She's been committed. As Lisa said, her grief kind of knew no end in a way, even in the face of the angels. But when Jesus commissions her, when, when he says, go and tell, he does something really unusual. For the first time, he calls his disciples his brothers. Now, in a way, you could look and say, of course he had that strong love for Mary. Look how, look how faithful she was. Look how committed she was. But the first people he says, go tell, he calls them his brothers. But these are the very ones who denied him. These are, how can that be? When they failed him so miserably, when they were so spiritually blind. As a matter of fact, John says, and John's one of those disciples. He says, we didn't even understand the meaning of the resurrection. Even after we knew he was risen, we didn't understand the meaning of it can tell you right now just to know that Jesus is risen is not enough you have to know the meaning of it and it has to become personal for you in order to become powerful for you so here's a partial meaning of the resurrection when Jesus went to the cross he was making a payment he was making the payment and that payment was that he who knew no sin became sin in order to pay and to give you his righteousness so that you might be the righteousness of God. 
So he endured hell for you so that you might be in heaven forever with him. But you see, when you make a payment, they always ask this question, don't they? Do you want a receipt? The resurrection is the receipt that the payment has been received. So the resurrection is the receipt. Now, I say this all the time. Some of you have heard it before. But for me, hell is going to Costco. And when I go to Costco, I guard my receipt because they won't let you out. You know, if you go to Costco and you don't have the receipt, they'll say, you got to pay again. See, hell is stuck in Costco with no receipt, having to pay again and again and again. So I guard my receipt. And when I go to the door, I show that receipt. And then I go, nah, 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 nah. You can't keep me. No, I don't do that. But I think about it. But I show that receipt because you see, nobody at Costco can say, you got to pay again because I have my receipt. And they have to let me go. And they have to let me go with the goods I've purchased. The cross is the payment, but the resurrection is the receipt. So that no longer when you're accused can the accusations land. No longer when the guilt is provoked in you that you're not worthy, that you're not, you're not good enough. You're not as devoted as Mary. You show them the receipt. Because you see, it's no longer your record. It's Christ's record. And what John says, he says he did all of this he wrote all of this. He didn't write everything Jesus did, but he wrote these special events and narratives and teachings of Jesus' life. And he said, so that you might believe that he is the Christ. And so that you might have life in his name. When Jesus, when Jesus spoke to Mary, it was the way he said her name, not just her name, but the way he said her name. I don't know about you, but I had a mother who could say my name a certain way that only my mother could say. I knew exactly how mad she was by the way she said my name. If it was Mike, I was okay. But if she started getting the whole name out and real fast, I knew I better get home quickly. Here's the difference. When the Savior says your name, you know how loved you are. I always thought it was funny he gave Lisa such a funny name, Hephzibah. I don't use it with her at all. Like she said, it's a, not a pretty name. But when she realized what it meant, she's never been the same because her security is not in herself. Her security is not in her performance, but her security is in the one who called her by name. And when anyone attacks my wife, she lifts up the receipt and says, the debt is paid. There will never be a second payment for what has already been paid. Will you stand with me? The risen Lord Jesus is here to meet you personally. 
He's here to meet you powerfully. I love how Lisa did this where she said, bring those tears to the tomb. Bring those losses to the tomb. For some of you, you've known Jesus all your life, but you haven't quite let his resurrection power in. Some of us would rather cry than be raised. We'd rather feel self-pity than to be raised. Today is the day to realize that certain emotions are not worth keeping. If two angels said to Mary, and then Jesus said to Mary, why are you crying? The one you look for is here, and he speaks your name. If you will give him your tears, he will exchange it for his resurrected life. Life in his name. But here's what I'd like you to do, because I think it is a battle. I'd like you to stretch out your hand like you've got a receipt in your hand right now. This is way more important than getting out of Costco. This is eternal life. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ for every believer is the receipt that the Father will never ask a second payment for that which Christ has already paid. The difference between religion and Christianity, religion is what I do for God to make myself acceptable to God. Christianity is what God has done for me in Christ. If you trust in this receipt and the payment that it represents, it means your sins are forgiven, your debts are paid, your guilt is taken away, your shame has already been taken care of, and now Jesus calls you brother, sister. He calls you family. If this makes sense to you today, would you say this with me? I receive the payment of Jesus for all my sins, for all my sorrows, and even for all my sickness. Death, you are defeated in me. I have the receipt that Jesus is raised and I am raised with him. Now I'm asking you just to keep that up for a minute. If you wrestle with guilt, show it the receipt. If you wrestle with fear, show it the receipt. If God be for you, who can be against you? Not even death can triumph over you. And if death can't triumph over you, then the approval of others can't triumph over you. Or this world and situations can't triumph over you. Would you, would you not? At least I said, use your sanctified imagination. Would you see yourself showing the receipt to whatever you're up against. You see, when you are in Jesus, his resurrection is your resurrection. His victory is your victory. Would you say this one last thing with me? Because I am in Christ. His resurrection is my resurrection. His victory is my victory. In Jesus' name.
Can you receive that today? Well, I always like to say this at the end, and you say it back, right? The right words back. He is risen. That w- I'm not sure he is. Come on now. Don't let the only man who played Jesus ever in Risen King's history be the only one. Come on, let's say it together. He is risen. He is risen. What Lisa taught us today is so powerful that whatever you're facing that makes you cry, you say to it, he is risen. He is risen indeed. God bless you. Thank you for being here today.